Hi, and welcome to this week's Foundation Stage Forum podcast. This week, I'm joined by Joel Sett, who is a baby massage specialist and hypnobirthing instructor based in Germany. Hi, Joel Sett. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Stephen. Thanks for having me. No problem. Uh, As usual, really, our first question, our first discussion starter is just to ask you to tell us a little bit about yourself, please, and the work that you do and the journey that you've been on to your current role. Oh, goodness, the journey. <laughs> I'll say what I do first. So, um, um, yes, I'm Josette. I am a baby massage instructor, hypnobirthing instructor, newborn nurture instructor as well. Um, I am a previous neonatal cardiac nurse. I did my degree um, in paediatric nursing in the UK and then branched off into neonatal cardiac nursing, moved to Germany um, and... I just wasn't feeling very fulfilled here. Um, having done my nurse training and was a nurse, I came into a different kind of role and something was missing. And through my experiences of moving to Germany, um, I didn't want any other expat, foreigner, um, military affiliated family immigrant to go through what I went through. So then I went and did my um, baby massage training, hypnobirthing training to support those parents on that journey in a very foreign country because it can be a very lonely place. Um, So that's what led me into doing baby massage and opening up my business. And um, just through trying to navigate business in German in another language, I started off with um, teaching um, in-person, face-to-face classes. And because of my family setup here, I ended up going into the direction of doing collaborations and consultancy work within Baby Massage because I can get the the message of Baby Massage out there, even if it isn't in a a circle of, of parents. So... Yeah, a lot to navigate over the past 11 years, um, but it's brought me to this point. And yeah, I'm excited for what's to come with it. Brilliant. It might be useful just to, I think most people are probably be aware of what baby massage is, but just on hypnobirthing, could you just tell us a little bit more about what hypnobirthing is for those listeners who might not be aware? Yeah, hypnobirthing. Um, it's It's got its... Oh, it's had its negative associations in terms of it's for hippies. It's for a certain kind of demographic. But hypnobirthing ultimately is a way to reframe the brain to birth. Lots of um, birthing people choose hypnobirthing because there is some underlying fear of birth itself, pregnancy and birth, Um, just through um media you know the negative images through the media when you're watching um programs on the tv and they over exaggerate birth and then people feel like oh my goodness it's going to be like that um no it doesn't have to be at all so it's it's all about controlling your mind and you being in control as well and through hypnobirth and we also teach how to um be in control of your environment as much as possible um so yeah it's it's a way of 
preparing oneself for all eventualities of birth without being fearful. Okay, and at what sort of stage of pregnancy might you get involved then in? in... The earlier the better, so from around about 12 weeks on, um, and even if one hasn't come across hypnobirthing until the 30th week, it's never too late, um, but the earlier the better because it is, it's it's a four-week course of over 10 hours of information and one has to practice you have to to keep practicing and training for it to sink in you can't just do the course and think yeah done the course I'll revisit it when I'm in labor um because one might have forgotten so it's an ongoing process and the beauty of hypnobirthing is that one can use it post-birth as well I mean I use hypnobirthing when my kids are um challenging me let's say (laughs) I breathe, I breathe for it. <laughs> um, and <laughs> it's full of tools as well. So there are some tools that you use in hypnobirthing that I use for just everyday things like, what am I going to cook today? Okay, use the brain tool. What are the benefits of cooking potatoes, for example? One child is going to love them. One child isn't. What are the benefits of all of this? So yeah, it's it's a it's a method that you can pick and choose your tools for everyday um, things as well. It's it's a lifelong tool to have. That makes sense. <laughs> um, so, sort of shifting back to baby massage, I suppose. Um, I know that you you've called baby massage an art of n- nurturing. Uh, I wondered if you could tell us a bit more about the benefits of baby massage. Yeah, the the art of nurturing. I mean, that's that's a more recent term um, that lots of different providers have started to use. So without, you know, going too far back, um, baby massage, you know, founded in places like India, China, as far back as 1500 BC. Um, and Fast forward to the the 1970s, um, somebody from the West went over to India and saw how, when she went to an orphanage and she saw that there there was a child massaging lots of babies in this orphanage. And even though the babies weren't um, nutritionally fed or often or well enough, they were still thriving and she noticed that they were thriving through touch and the touch of this girl that was massaging all the babies. So it's, I would say it's, it's an art of, of, of supporting the body. It's an art of healing through Ayurvedic medicine, through that method. Um, And the term art of nurturing has come through just lots of research um, where researchers have seen how beneficial touch is not only for for healing purposes but through emotional development social development so um so there are lots of benefits i mean the benefits are absolutely huge so if we talk about the physical benefits of massage and we leave in gas and wind the typical ones that you know lots of um, parents say their babies are struggling with. 
um, teething pains, um, muscle growth, muscle strengthening. Um, it boosts immunity. It helps with digestion. It boosts the blood circulation. It helps with lung development and helps with the elimination of waste from the body. So there are so many physical benefits um, and social emotional benefits as well. Um, with bonding with parent or the main caregiver um, and through touch one produces oxytocin the bonding hormone so cognitive development there's just so many amazing benefits that one might not realize and it can help to to heal any traumas as well birth traumas um, babies can receive birth traumas as well as as the birthing person so by being able to um, practice this art of massage, you're able to just holistically support the baby and the, the parent or the main care caregiver as well. So it's it's vast. There's just so much to baby massage. And what, what sort of age can you start baby massage? Is, is there like a minimum um, age for a baby and, and so I suppose linked to that, are there any risks associated with baby massage? Cause it sounds all good so far. It is all good. It is. Um, and lots of providers say from six to eight weeks plus, but baby massage can be done from zero. And they say six to eight weeks plus because they'd like baby to have that six week check to make sure everything's okay before you do massage. But when one breaks it down and when you think about it and through my nursing experience and now through the hypnobirthing training that I've done, um, babies are receiving touch from, from the womb. That this touch is one of the first sensory receptors to be developed from as early as eight weeks. And that's just through their face. Um, and this, this receptor develops and develops and develops and babies in utero having a great old time getting, you know, squished up against the wall of the, the uterus. And that is providing a form of touch and massage when babies are born physiologically and um, they're being born through the birth canal. This is also a form of massage when they are pushed through the 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 tightness of the space that they are coming through helps to expel liquid through through the nose and the mouth and this is a form of massage when babies are born there's an immediate um intuitive rubbing of the back to help them whether it's from the healthcare professional or from the parent themselves so babies are receiving touch from from day one and yes. massage can still be given from day one. There are specific, there is a specific way. We wouldn't massage a, a six-week-old as we would a newborn, but newborns can receive um, baby massage. And the risks, um, the only risks I would say with baby massage is if a parent or a caregiver is massaging and that baby is under a medical team for whatever condition they've got and they haven't gained consent from the consultant team to carry out massage. So let's take cardiacs because I used to work on a neonatal cardiac ward. 
depending on the type of heart condition that a baby might have, provide doing certain massage strokes might put extra work on the heart. So we wouldn't want to massage a baby with a heart condition if you haven't had, or if the parent hasn't had consent because you could be doing um, more harm than, than good. Yeah, that and makes then, sense. Yeah, and then post-operatively, for example, for a new um, a baby with a cardiac condition, um, usually massage is okay, but again, depending on the type of cardiac condition, you would adapt the, the strokes to make it safer for for baby. So no immediate risk, only if baby is um, in the in the care of the um, consultant team for any illnesses. You used a, a really good word there, intuitive, and I think a lot of parenting is around that sort of intuition and especially those early days um and sort of trusting your intuition i'd say is really vitally important do you think is it the sort of thing that i mean i think you do you do respond to your baby and you you naturally sort of figure out what they like and what they don't like is it the sort of thing that you can sort of feel your way in literally um to be a massage do you and i suppose this is linked as well because there might be um, practitioners listening who work in baby rooms how much can you sort of go off your own intuition or, uh, should they really be getting specialist input before they maybe schedule sort of massage into their uh, routine at nursery yeah. yeah so that's a really interesting one um yeah intuitively um we we hold our babies we pick them up in a certain way intuitively um, we rub their back to help wind them intuitively. We might stroke the bridge of their nose or we might stroke their feet, touch their hands all intuitively, but not realizing that what we are actually doing is also providing support to the baby. So with baby massage, it's it's empowering parents as well because you get lots of parents say oh I do that anyway with my baby I'm like yeah that's great you're doing it intuitively but do you know why you're doing it do you know that it can actually help with x y and z and then they go oh wow I didn't actually realize what I was doing was helping in this capacity so um when parents do this it's great it's yeah it's intuitive some parents don't have that intuition and that's also why they might seek help a baby massage course, for example, um, in a baby room. So this is where it can get a little bit kind of tricky. So we do encourage um, parents or main caregivers to only massage baby because of the, the way that it helps with bonding. Um, in terms of an educator in a baby room, for example, giving baby massage, it's not really advised because of insurance purposes and the appropriateness of massaging a baby. However, an educator in a baby room is going to pick a baby up and rub their back if they've given them a feed. And that's a form of baby, it's a form of touch. And then it is a form of baby massage. So um a slight digression you know is it should educators be allowed 
I don't know, but they're already doing it intuitively. Um, yeah, I think I think it's important to consider that sort of as a in an education setting, especially if you're working with very young children, sort of to have policies around positive touch and and, yeah. and help to help your educators to understand. And my background's working in specialist settings and massage was really important for um, especially supporting autistic children who might have some sensory. Um, additional support needs and massage is such a powerful aspect of um, working in those environments, in my opinion, and and, and then thinking about different types of pressure and, yeah. um, and and helping children to regulate, sort of co-regulating with them through touch and working in say a mainstream, I don't know, yeah. nursery or, um, or primary school touch really isn't a part of that at all often, you know, and you're discouraged from touch, but as long as there are yeah. guidelines and policies around what's appropriate and what is um yeah. it, it it can be such a powerful aspect of education obviously but i think that really important point that you make in there about um having a level of caution uh, yeah definitely and it's interesting what you say as well because if there are benefits for the caregiver or the parent at home to be doing this then yeah there there would be benefits in a social room classroom setting as well um but yeah it's the policies and procedures around this um i can only see how beneficial it could be to helping probably calm a child yeah, uh, yeah. um I don't, I, I don't know if you're familiar with massage stories but there there's some really lovely stuff you can do there as well sort of uh, with young children and children maybe you've got additional support needs but um yeah it's a uh, it it can be a great addition to to a setting if if it's approached in the right way. And there you go. It's not only for babies. Um, we no. say massage, but I do massage on my five year old. Um, to we we don't do it to story, but I'll do like a. I'll say, oh, what should we bake today? So we bake a pizza. So I knead the dough on her back and I I adapt the, the massage strokes to kneading dough and sprinkling. I mean, she likes sprinkles and broccoli and all sorts on her pizza. Um, but yeah, and it helps to calm her before bed. So baby massage is not only for babies. Yeah, And the beauty of that interaction then as well is that um, really clear, usually sort of communication as to this is what I like and my... Yeah. My four-year-old daughter always asking me to gently tickle my back, you know, like she, she's yeah. just got a really specific sort of thing that she <laughs> likes to, if she's feeling stressed or wants to go to sleep or whatever, and it's sort of so individual, but having that communication and sort of permission, I suppose, to is, yeah. is so is so important. Yeah, the permission and the trust and, yeah, yeah, that that relationship that you're building with your baby right through toddler, toddler years, childhood years. It's yeah, it's it's really important and so beneficial as well. I saw um, an interesting post on your Instagram feed a few months ago now about how certain massage strokes, and you have sort of touched on this a little bit earlier, how they can keep viruses at bay in babies. How does this actually work? So with touch or through touch, um, what touch is helping to do is increase levels of serotonin and the T cells in the body. And these immune cells help to fight the viruses. Um, And when you massage your baby certain strokes, so for example, strokes working 
towards the body, not away, but towards the body, help to drain um, or help to support the lymphatic system. And when you support the lymphatic system, you're helping to drain the lymphatic system and all of the toxins can come out through urine and so on and so forth. Um, so what's important to, to know or to remember is that baby massage, it doesn't cure the viruses, but it can help prevent through boosting the immune system. Um, so, I mean, adults can have lymphatic drainage as a way to boost immune their, their immunity as well. So yeah, it can help to just keep the body in a balanced, in a balanced state as well. And if a baby or a child does get a virus, they're more likely to fight it off a bit quicker. Brilliant. Something um, you talk about as well is um, decolonizing baby massage. I wondered if you could tell us um, a little bit more about that phrase uh, and also just around the importance of representation when it comes to baby massage. Yeah, it's it's a strong phrase, isn't it? Um, decolonizing. And I I used this word maybe only for about a year or so. And I was hesitant at first, but I actually reflected on um, the many years that I've been teaching baby massage and what I could see in the baby massage world. And it was very, um, it was a very white space. And when you think about where baby massage come from, comes from, it isn't a white space. And I can really appreciate the development and I can appreciate the research that has gone into it had somebody had a white person not gone over to India it probably wouldn't be in or well known in in the west um but I talk about decolonizing it because it's it's taken on a very western spin where we need to remember the roots and how simple baby massage is I mean it's really lovely seeing lots of classes that look really pretty um, and very inviting and very modern and that's okay um, but there has to be an element of respecting paying homage and talking about where baby massage comes from and not whitewashing not whitewashing it too much um, so I speak about that because um, lots of other baby massage instructors need to remember where it comes from and to, to respect it. Um, and not only does it come from places like India, it's practiced in places like Hawaii, Mexico, countries in Africa, um, basically a lot of non-European countries. Um, yeah. so I think um, realistically, it does feel like a sort of, in this country in England, from my experience as a parent, it feels like a very sort of middle class white thing to do, you know, and, and that's wrong, isn't it? But that's, it's a bit like, uh, and I've had discussions with educators about like forest schools and stuff, and it's a very similar sort of thing, really. They've become known as the sort of um almost, almost level of classism to them um 
these things and, and sort of my first thought as a as a parent of when my children were very young was that sort of as I uh, it wasn't particularly interested it felt like a sort of um I don't know a type of thing that sort of posh families would do you know and it's just and it and that's those mindsets and people like yourself trying to break that apart and 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 sort of reflect back on like you say the roots of where these these techniques have come from so important for um for it to be widened so that it's more accessible for more family yeah and that's that's a good point as well um and it's it is really interesting because it comes because of the type of teachers who are teaching baby massage they're attracting a type of demographic so when you've got these white middle class instructors um um, presenting the majority, let's say, not all, but the majority of white middle-class instructors. They are advertising to white middle-class families and their classes will be full of more white middle-class families, but, you know, fine. Um, but then you get the underrepresented groups not going to these baby massage classes because they might feel that they don't really belong there, um, which is why you don't really see many black and brown families do baby massage, um, and which is why you might find more of them. Well, I've said this on lots of my posts before, that lots of black and brown families are doing baby massage, and we've been doing it since you know time began. It was just never called baby massage. Um, it might look a little bit more rough um, in certain areas of the world. Um, but when you've been doing it for years and then you go to a baby massage class and they're saying, well, you do it like this. And you think, well, actually, my great granny told my granny, he told my mom to do it this way and it worked. And now you're telling me it's wrong. And and it makes people not want to go because it instills that that sense of I'm doing it wrong. I can't yeah. You know, um, I can I can appreciate strokes have been adapted to be carried out safely or maybe safer, depending on the baby. But yeah, having that kind of having having that kind of image around baby massage, the white middle class can deter other people from accessing baby massage and like I've said the benefits are huge so when one type of demographic are only benefiting from this when you think about what's going what has been going on what goes on in the world when you think about statistics and and who's likely to be arrested stopped and searched you then think okay if if these children had this beginning could it make an impact? Could it have an impact on how they're growing and developing? You know, it's that kind of ripple effect of, yeah, that ripple effect. So it's so important to emphasize where baby massage comes from and to have more black and brown instructors. So those people feel that they can go. I mean, yeah, you get black and brown people go to white people's classes and vice versa. Um, but the past since the past few years, it I think it's even more important that um, black and brown families do have someone that they can go to. 
Um, Definitely. And you're talking this about, about those sort of longer term sort of biases and stuff. I was reading on it was a BBC News article last week about uh, the APGAS score, which is around sort of when a baby's being born and um, the tests and assessments that a midwife might be looking at and, and how even now that how the language used in those tests is so inappropriate for for babies with black and brown skin and talking about checking if a baby is pink all over and it, it seems crazy that that is that is happening and that there's that level of sort of bias i suppose within minutes or hours of a child being born that, that children with black or brown skin don't have the same opportunities to have potential um dangers um identified you know because maybe the training or the assessment tools that are being used are just inappropriate yeah yeah i mean from my training um when i was doing my nurse training in you know with reflection in hindsight looking back um textbooks weren't representative they weren't and over the past few years it's it's kind of it makes you think oh my goodness actually how do I recognize this on my children because they've got a different complexion um and this is where the statistics I I can't remember the figures but the the statistics are that black and brown babies um the mortality rate is higher because the the education is based around um white people um and it's it's like it's similar with jaundice as well it's some um healthcare professionals can mistake um jaundice for something else or the color of baby skin for jaundice when when it's it's not that or they might not pick jaundice up quick enough because they might think it's the baby's colour coming through when when it's not so and if jaundice isn't treated quick enough it can lead to lead to um fatalities through liver failure and so it's just it's yeah it's 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 educating healthcare professionals to recognize different childhood illnesses different skin conditions in children with darker with darker complex um complexions and i did a post a while ago on on the the blue spot it used to be called the mongolian spots but it's called the blue gray spot now and lots of healthcare professionals um mis- mistake this for bruising and then they get social services involved and the kids get taken away from families and they tear families apart. They um, they they create trauma where trauma doesn't need to be if only one had thought, ah, what, what, what is this blue spot? Is it growing in size? Is it decreasing? Is it changing in colour? Um, so, yeah, it's... Um, yeah, it's it's just so important that the education around black and brown skin is is out there and what to look out for, how to treat, and knowing that there are differences in how children and babies can present. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I said before about like biases within minutes or hours, but actually, it starts nine months earlier, doesn't it? Because the statistics around like what goes on in pregnancies for 
uh, black and brown women. And there's some yeah. harrowing, harrowing statistics around sort of um, that, isn't there? Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it just makes you wonder because, yeah, it's, it's not a, a very nice topic to think about, especially as a person, a black person, because I've had two children. Could it have could I have been subject to this? I don't know because I had my babies in Germany. Um, but yeah, the figures are alarming and the fact that the government are moving too slow, it just makes a lot of black and brown families think, well, you actually don't really care or else you would be acting on this a bit sooner or trying to make a change. Um, but um, I suppose we can just, all we can do is just keep amplifying the voices, the accounts that are talking about this and making black and brown people feel safer in during pregnancy, birth, and indeed the postnatal period and when they've got their little neonates, their little babies. Yeah, I mean, learning and education is key and, uh, and people like yourself who are putting out really valuable information is is so important, but it shouldn't rely solely on people like yourself. There needs to be um, yeah, systems and programs in place to ensure that professionals uh, have an awareness as, as standard, you know, it's not. Um, um, so to finish really, um, I mean, you've got your, your brand is Urban Birth Plus and uh, we, you can be found on Instagram. I know that. What sort of what are you, your ambitions? I suppose um, in the coming years, and uh, how can people get in touch with you if uh, if they'd like your support? Yeah, the yeah the ambitions and where I see the business going is, I mean, it's it's a little bit in the in the name urban. You know, I want my business to. I live in 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 a city in 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 Stuttgart here in Germany. All walks of life. I want to be able to support people from all walks of life who are living in in a city, whether it's white, black, brown, wherever you come from. I want to be able to support people um, and from the marginalised groups um, and to talk about. Um, not solely for black and brown, but to let black and brown families know they can always access my services because I'm representative and representing them. Um, so that's where I see it going. I want to definitely go in that direction. Um, there's more bits coming out that and that's launching in September. So I can't wait to share to share that, which is it, it ties into the business a little bit away, but ties in. Um, so I can't wait to share more about that. And um, people can find me on Instagram. Um, I'm on, I've got a website where people can, can email me. I will still be teaching baby massage one-to-one by Zoom, or I go in the community and go to parents' homes but not as often as I did before. Um, but people can still book me should they want to. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm floating around in cyberspace, in um, social media. Anyone can find me, and uh, in um, and the website also. 
Well, we really appreciate you joining us this week. It was such an interesting discussion. Um, and like I say, a lot of learning um, has taken place over the last 40 minutes or so for me, but um, hopefully our listeners will really benefit from it as well. So thank you, Joseph, for joining us. Thank you so, so much for having me.